coming to you from the lab where we talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Riding Shotgun is my co-host, Big Keith. I'm your host, Mike, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's everybody doing? Welcome to The Gun Experiment, Episode 3. This week, Keith and I talk to an up-and-coming amateur MMA fighter, talk about three things every gun owner must buy, and more. I just want to remind everyone that we drop new episodes on the second and fourth Monday of every month, so be sure to subscribe and listen. And our guest today is a 24-year-old mixed martial artist fighting out of Beacon, New York. With an amateur record of 5-1, please welcome Andrew Gunshot Geisler. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I have to say that uh, I could probably run this podcast for 20 years, and in those 20 years, there will never be a more apropos nickname than your nickname for the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it worked out. wasn't my yeah, intention, just, but... Just my luck. So let's talk a little about this nickname. Um, first off, how did you get that nickname? Uh, well, usually, like, when people pick a, a name for, like, fighting, they try to use something with, like, alliteration, so they kind of, like, repeat either the first or last name, you know, so it'll be like murder Mike or whatever it is, something like that. Sure. So I tried to pick something with a G. Um, so I felt like gunshot was appropriate. Okay. You know, nice, just for like nice. MMA. nice. I like it. So, um, so, uh, as far as the nickname goes, right? Like, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's worked out for you, right? Like, I mean, like you, you hit like a gunshot, I guess, kind of, you, you've had <laughs> so a pretty, far. pretty good run. Yeah, I actually had my first loss in my last fight, so it was it was a little bit of a hard pill to swallow. It keeps me up at night sometimes. I think about it, but you know, I'm I, sure. amateurs is all bad experience. So you know, just grow from it and go forward. Right. So now uh, you're a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and you also have a very strong foundation in Muay Thai. Um, Correct. But you know, and anybody who's ever gotten into the fight game, they have to start at the bottom. Um, like, how did you get started? Did you start with Jiu Jitsu? Did you start with Muay Thai? Like, what happened? Yeah, so actually, I, I started with jujitsu. Well, it's like to go further back, my dad sucked me into doing like a taekwondo karate when I was really young, maybe seven or eight, and I I despised it. I, you know, I, he dragged me there every day, um, and I was like scarred from it. So, you know, fast forward three or four years after I'd quit, I was probably around eleven or twelve. Um, my dad was like, "Try out jujitsu," and I was like, "No, it's not happening. You're not taking me back to karate." You know, I I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't differentiate at that time. I had no idea. Um, I still can't differentiate and I'm almost 40 years old. <laughs> yeah. It's well, it's something that a lot of people don't have any knowledge on. Um, but basically, you know, karate, I think karate has its place. It's good for, you know, kids who need like discipline or things like that. You know, everything has its own place and values. Um, but I think jujitsu is something you should really put your kid in. If you're worried about them actually being able to defend themselves, it's more, um, basically the opposite of karate. Karate is everything on the feet. You're kind of punching, breaking wood things like that. Jujitsu is, um, when you could take that fight to the ground, you know, how to control a fight, whether you're in a dominant position or even off your back, if you're put in a bad spot, how to kind of get, uh, back into a good spot or take advantage of the spot that you're in. Right. Um, and they say but, that they say that 90% of all fights go to the ground eventually. So it's, it's a good skill to have, right? Yeah. And then, you know, 99% of those people that end up on the ground in that 90% of the fight, you have no idea what they're doing. So if you're able to capitalize on that, on that, uh, aspect of the fight, you know, you can really have a huge advantage. Andrew, it sounds like it's a little bit like um, the, the only thing I'm able to compare what you just described is offense, defense. Yeah. And like a, kind of like wrestling, you know, like we, it's kind of a, the way I explain it to people um, is like it's like high school wrestling. If you were to take wrestling and you could add yeah. submission, which is kind of like any way to make someone tap out. 
Um, okay. You know, so it's like a modified version of wrestling. Um, the reason I feel like it's so superior, like this is what I this is what I always tell people when they uh, they ask me, oh, you know, maybe should I do striking or jujitsu? And I say this: Who's the best boxer of all time? Everyone says Floyd Mayweather, right? Whether you like him or not, everyone knows he's he's like the biggest name in boxing. Floyd Mayweather could go into a bar and someone could throw a punch and you just get a lucky punch and knock him out. It's unlikely, but it's possible. All right. Nobody, nobody, I don't care who you are, is going to get a lucky double leg takedown, rear naked choke you. You're either trained in that or you're not. There's no such thing as luck in it. You're trained in it or you're not. And so obviously Keith is sort of showing his hand a little bit. He doesn't know much about this kind of stuff, but, and, and, you know, and you know way more than I do, but so, uh, like a little historical context, um, back when the UFC started, right? Like those early years, Hoist Gracie was sort of like the, he was the king of the ring. Right. And in, uh, UFC four, he wound up in the finals against Dan Severn and Dan Severn, uh, Keith was a like all-star, like top of the heap wrestler. And he started the fight. He he took Hoist Gracie to the ground, and he basically controlled the entire fight. But back then, wrestlers didn't know how to do submissions. They only mm-hmm. you correct me if I'm wrong here, um, Andrew. But wrestlers knew how to take down. They knew how to pin, but they didn't know how to do submissions. He couldn't end the fight. And in the exactly. end, Hoist wound up dominate winning. you, but there's no way to finish it. Right. So Hoist wound up winning with I think it was a triangle choke, and that's how the fight ended. So then wrestlers and and got and stand up guys had to start to learn how to. Um, finish a fight, and that's where the whole world of MMA kind of started. Correct, Andrew? Yep, correct. Yeah, yeah. He kind of was like the uh, the godfather of putting jujitsu on the map. He made everyone realize, you know, just how dominant the sport was. Where you were smaller, uh, stronger, faster than him, he could he could slow you down with a specific skill set. Yeah. So let's talk, let's go back to you were talking about taekwondo and uh, and your father taking you. So a lot of times you talk about fighters and you talk about like a lot of them come from sort of like rough upbringings and, and whatnot. And they have like n- no other choice and that they kind of yeah. find themselves into the world of boxing. That's from what I understand, not your story, right? Like you were, I think you played soccer or something, right? Like you Correct. were not. It, it's funny you say that actually, because I always, I always say that to my dad. I'm like, I feel like I'm like the misfit in MMA. You know, all these guys are like, yeah, I grew up in the hood. You know, I had to fight just to eat on the table. I'm like, I don't know, man. I had I had my first car in the drive when I was 15, waiting for my permit. Like, I was just a spoiled kid. But I was like, why can't someone make it that just had all the right resources and right people behind them? You know, I don't feel like it has to be, you know, this this hard knock story. Right. So, um, speaking of sort of like these hard knock stories, um, I grew up in the era of Mike Tyson, and. Yeah. Iron Mike, you know, baddest man on the planet. I mean, he was just a spectacle in every which way, right? And still is. What are you talking still, about? Very, very true. That's very true. Now he's into weed farming, you know? <laughs> um, so Mike famously once said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yep. But he also said that he was scared every time he stepped into the ring. So, Andrew, you've actually, I've never stepped into a ring in that way, um, but you have. So, can you relate to both of those feelings and those, and those comments and kind of give us a little perspective? I mean, anyone who tells you that they're not afraid when they go out there is absolutely lying. I, I don't care who you are. I mean, you learn to deal with those nerves a lot better. Um, you know, my first fight, I, I had this thing growing up because I competed in jujitsu so much. I took. I did my first uh, competition when I was 13. You know, so that was 11 years ago. I probably competed in two or 300 tournaments since. Um, but I go out into jujitsu tournament and I I don't even feel anything. It's just like if you were to go play wiffle ball in the backyard, you know. But right. I thought everyone was like, "Dude, you're kind of 
it's like a serial killer vibe, how you don't have any emotions. And I remember being like, yeah, I don't know. I don't get nervous. And then I got my first fight and I was in the back room and I was like 10 minutes out from my fight. And I just had like a panic attack. And I was like, dude, what is happening to me? I'm never like this. But you realize like the consequences, you know, like um, when you go to a jiu-jitsu tournament, you're like, all right, worst case scenario, this guy is way better than me. I tap. And then you, you think in that you're sitting in that back room, you're like, what's the worst case scenario? Like I get flat line knocked out in front of everyone that I just told to come here, you know? So like, yeah, absolutely. You have these nerves and, and no one's uh, immune to them. So that's the thing. Like I try to tell people now that I have a little bit of experience and I've had five or six fights, um, people always say like, Oh, I'm super nervous. And I'm like, it's not a disadvantage to be nervous. People think in their head, like, Oh, I'm nervous. It's it, everyone's nervous. Um, people think that, Oh, I have, I'm at this disadvantage because I'm so nervous right now. So I remember like, I talked to a lot of people in the locker room. Uh, I'm always like, Hey man, like, you know, that guy's equally as nervous. So it comes right back down to do you think you're better than him? So if you have the skill set and you've prepared, there's nothing to worry about because he's equally nervous. So there's no advantage or disadvantage of being nervous. Um, Sometimes it's a good thing to have a little bit of nerves too. You know, you want it to be important to you and you want to, you don't want to go out there all lackadaisical and not putting in forth the effort because you have no fears. All right. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, like I, you would think that just the human element of it, right. I mean, like the idea that someone could punch you in the face, like that's never something you want to happen. And there's always that chance, you know, there's always a chance of something going wrong. So I I feel like it's, it is normal, but you know, there's plenty of guys out there that they're going to tell you they're not scared. That's definitely Oh, of course. That yeah. definitely like, exists. Like I said, there's, there's, I'm not saying there's no one that will say that. What I'm telling you is that they're all lying to you. If you could see <laughs> that in their mind, they're, they're scared. Everyone's scared. Yeah. Maybe not even scared, but you're, you're nervous. You know, you might think like, sure. oh, I'm going to win, but this could happen in the back of your mind. You know, you could be flatlined. You could be out cold, wake up and not knowing where, what's going on. And that's a scary thing. What's scarier is uh, we sign up for it. You know, it's not like someone forced me in there. I give you a lot of credit. Definitely. So speaking of uh, of the outcomes of these fights, um, you are, you mentioned it earlier, but you are coming off your first loss in the ring. Yeah. Um, I believe it was to an armbar, correct? Correct. Yeah, it's unfortunate. That's my background. That's my specialty is jujitsu. I I, uh, I had a really rough weight cut, and um, okay, I just got really super tired and fatigued in there. And I just remember like when he put me in that armbar, I remember being like, I've been in this position a thousand times from people that are superior to him as far as jujitsu skill. And I was like, I just, I had no energy in me to get it out. But, you know, he executed a really good game plan. I actually fought the fight before him that I won. I fought his coach and I beat his coach. So they were able to kind of study, say, oh, this is what he's going to do. This is what it feels like. He's strong in this area. This is the area you need to expose on him. And it was good for me too, though. You know, like I said, I'm not getting paid right now. This is all experience. So them giving me a different look, something that challenges me, you know, and now I go back to the drawing board. I actually started training harder than I ever had before after that loss. So it was really good unfortunately all this stuff's happened in the whole world's kind of on on pause right now uh, i had just gotten my foot in the door working with some of the guys in the ufc i was driving like three hours down to uh, jersey near seaside heights to work with some top level guys and then everything kind of just got put on hold yeah after the fight i mean i had seen something you put up on social media and i have to say i mean like you may only be an amateur but i mean you handled it like a pro i mean like the the way that you took the loss was very impressive you know i mean you didn't make excuses and yeah i you definitely looked at it like a growing experience which i i, I admire you for so you know hats Thank off you. to you yeah it's like i said it, it is all for experience it's always easier said than done i always said that uh you know after all my wins i was like you know win or lose it's all experience and it's easy to say that when you win you know it's like oh yeah i won so let me give a bunch of advice to the people that lost so i didn't want to be that guy that after all my fights everyone i beat 
uh, I went up to them. I was like, Hey man, this is all experience. Don't hang your head, get right back into it. You know what I mean? Like this means nothing at the end of the day, when we go pro, we're both going to be zero and zero. So if I said that to all these guys and then they see me lose and I'm throwing some temper tantrum in the ring, acting like a sore loser, it's just not a good look, you know? Yeah. Good. Good for you. I, you know, what little I know, I mean, I, I'm definitely, <clears throat> I can't even say I know enough to be dangerous about this topic, but you know, I, from what I understand, Andrew, like when you take these losses, you kind of talked a little bit about it, that you, you have to know that that's sort of a weakness that you have to train for you for your next fight. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so like, the area that I thought I was strongest in is where I actually got exposed. So sometimes, you know, you can't get, you know, your head, let your head get too big. You know, I, I thought going into that fight, like, oh, he's going to stay on the feet. So let me work all my striking. Uh, that's how I yeah. my whole camp was developing my striking. Because I feel like that is a little bit further behind my grappling. And I kind of ignored, you know, it's uh, my coach actually said to me, I kind of abandoned the girl I brought to the dance, you know, so I, yeah, I had the skill set in jujitsu and it brought me to this high level where I was dominating all these fights and then I just abandoned it because I was so didn't, worried about my weakness. Didn't keep diverse, right? Didn't, uh, exactly. yeah. Do, do fat guys fight MMA? I'm a, I'm a pretty big guy. So, they, you know, they do. <laughs> I, that yeah, intimidates me. Like I, oh yeah. That, that makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that, that's so it, the thing. They look like they're fat, but they're, they're actually in shape. They're deceiving. That's the thing yeah. about them. It's not like, Oh, they got up off the couch and said they wanted to fight. They look like they're sitting on the couch, but they're not. Andrew, we've only met over this. I look like I sat on the couch. Okay. (laughs) So Andrew, I have to, I have to tell you, Keith is, um, a very competitive person by nature. And he is, uh, someone like once, like, so he just started golf and he went like, Balls to the wall, like I mean, like now you can't get them off the golf course, you know. Well, and, let me tell you, that's uh, not well, Corona got me off. <laughs> not a good sport to pick up if you're really competitive because it's not easy. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think he, I think he found that out. But I mean, he, he you improved a lot though, right, Keith? Yeah, I just kind of, you know, I, I am very competitive, as Mike said, but I'm realistic with my goals for the most part. So yeah. I just wanted to be better than most other people that I play with. <laughs> you know, I'm never going to play with Tiger yeah. Woods. I, I wasn't really focusing on that. And, you know, I shaved like last season, I shaved like at my peak, I had shaved 20 strokes off That's of my game. From like, yeah. It, when yeah. you're suck, 20 strokes is, is a lot, you know? I mean, that's and, like four uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I was shooting, you know, in the one high t- one teens to 120 which is absolutely atrocious and yeah, I finally, on, nine, on nine holes no 18 holes oh, okay and, oh, not that. That's not too too terrible i thought you were saying on nine yeah. i was like oh, i think that's uh yeah that's no no <laughs> thank you and uh i did break 100 on 18 holes by nice. um, yeah by the end of the season last season so that was like for me it was like probably the first time you won, you know, uh, you know, a, a match that was organized, you know, I was like, I was amped for like a month Yeah, and that carried me, that carried me through the off season. But, uh, now I'm like, I'm going to suck again because I've, I haven't been swinging yep. for now. At this, point, at this point in the year, I probably would have played, you know, four or five rounds and I haven't played one. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I actually golfed a lot last year, not so much this year because of, you know, I said the COVID, the problem I have with golf is I'm the same way. I'm really uh, competitive and, Golf is so weird. Sometimes you keep going and you don't improve. There'll be days that yeah. you're good and you go the next time and you suck. Yeah. And I'm like, I yeah. don't know. I understand. I always I say gave, that. I gave it up because I can't I, I can't deal with the ups and downs. You hit a perfect 
shot and then yeah. the very next hole like you know you're in the woods and it's like what the hell like i can't I handle it the thing i always yeah. say to people when i when i play the thing i always say to people is i can do this why can't i do this <laughs> i know you, you could swing that that club the exact same way you hit it on the last one just slightly off on the ball and you scald it and it's just going 20 it's feet rough. right in front of you it's really yeah. it's a rough game yep yeah yeah and part of the reason i'm bringing this up is because i have said to keith knowing his personality i'm like dude you should try jujitsu. Like it would, I'm telling yeah. you, you would get sucked in. And the first thing he said to me is, I sweat a lot. I'm like, dude, everyone sweats a lot. <laughs> it's funny. I was actually just talking to my girlfriend's mom about how, like, you know, when our gym reopens, um, you know, my lifestyle is so much different than everyone else's. She was like, after this whole COVID thing, like life may never be the same for everyone. Like things are going to be changed kind of like after 9 11, you know, like security would yeah. change. Like no one's life was ever the same again after that. And I was like, yeah, I, I can't live in fear because I'm going to be people sweat in my mouth every day like this it's just a <laughs> yeah. part yeah. of the sport but i'm like as close as you could possibly get to someone yeah it, there's no mask that's going to help that no yeah. yeah exactly i have a friend who was he was kind of saying the same thing and he's like you know mike the day after the day after you uh you know they say you can go back out into the world like are you are you going to go to the gym and like he thinks i just go to like golds you know he's like are yeah, you just yeah. going to go to the gym and no touch idea. the bars i'm like no i'm going to have some sweating all over me it's like totally different you know yeah like, like if you go to the gym and you're near someone that has it you might not get it you know if you're safe your your hand sanitizing wash your hands if you if you go to our gym and you make con- and you do any form of contact with anyone at our gym you're getting it you're going you're going to be as close as humanly possible with someone. You're going to be hands-on, sweating on each other. Like, if that person has it, you're getting it, period. You're, you're not convincing Keith to do this, by the way. No, definitely not. <laughs> you're not a good salesman. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, so let's talk about – let's get back to the show for a second here. So, the, you know, the name of the show is The Gun Experiment. And yeah. um, when I started this thing, you know, it's, it's about guns. But one of the things I said when I first started was I want to talk about a lot of different things. And I feel like – my philosophy is that the gun is just a tool and that the human is the weapon, that that yeah. is, that is kind of how I look at it. And <clears throat> jujitsu and fighting and things like that. I want, cause someone's listening right now saying like, this is a gun show. Why are you bringing a guy from MMA? And the yeah. reason is because I think there's a lot of crossover and I think that one is a perfect partner for the other. But of course, on top of that, you recently applied for your pistol permit. And some people would say a man with your skill set doesn't need a gun. But or you've decided to go not, down that path. They're not path. very knowledgeable then. <laughs> <laughs> so, so talk about that a little bit. So you decided to get your your go for your pistol permit. Tell me why, where, where your head was at, and and where. So, we're at. um, this is like a big fear of mine. So, right, I I do MMA. I spent my whole life training, fighting people. I feel so confident that if anyone walks up to me when I'm out, or someone decides to road rage and pull over and get out of the car. There's no, there's really no chance unless they're also trained that they're going to beat me. If I don't care how big they are or anything like that. But I, what if I walk up to this car and this guy pulls a gun on me? Because I don't, I don't care who you are, how much time you spent training, how good you're in a choke. If someone points a gun on you, you're you're dead. You know, so, you're not faster than a speeding bullet. That's that's correct. I'm not even close, and it doesn't matter if I was faster because, you know, if that that bullet hits you, you're done. Like it, it's so simple. There's there's no even comparing a human to a gun. So I yeah, can spend and- my whole life training, but. You know, I want to be able to. The gun's a great neutralizer. You know, I don't, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're on the other side of the trigger, you won the fight. Right. And a lot of people, like I have a friend who he absolutely hates guns. And him and I have these debates all the time. And he goes, Well, if a guy pulled a knife on you, what are you going to shoot him? I'm like, <laughs> Yes. If I'm like, if a, guy, 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm like 20, what is it, 21 feet, right? They see a guy can cl- cover 21 feet in like a second or something like that. It's, you know. Unless yeah. they're me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone's speed's a little different. <laughs> um, you know, but the bottom line is uh, you did decide to go for your pistol permit. Um, yeah. How has that process been for you? So if I could sum it up in one word, I would say nightmare. <laughs> I mean, it's why, under, why is I'm, that? Pulling up, I'm pulling up my calendar right now. Hold on. Let me see. So You're, you live in New York, right, Andrew? I do. Yeah. I live in Dutchess okay. County. Okay. Uh, all right. So here we go. I went in on July, July 16th at 12 o'clock. They gave me my, that was my interview when I went in. So I'd already started the process before that. So we're at July. So we go so- Andrew, let me just let me just ask a couple of questions. On that yeah. interview, you handed in your completed application, your money order, your fingerprints, everything. I talked to a detective. All everything. You had your you had your references filled out, signed, notarized, all that every, stuff. Right? Every, and every person that I had uh, sign as a reference was a pistol permitted person in the Hudson Valley in Dutchess County because I was told that would uh, look good mm-hmm. as. Um, as far as looking into those references, because those are people that they've already done checks on, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um, so I had three people with permits all in the Dutchess County as my references. They, they told me, um, you know, within six months, you'll hear back from us, you know, yeah. five, six months go by. I start calling. I'm like, Hey, uh, can someone give me a call back? I'm just looking to check on the status. Um, I really appreciate it. Two or three days go by nothing. I was like, okay, let me try calling again. You know, now we're nine, nine months away. Uh, you know, I've, I've probably left seven, eight voicemails with the detective, with the sheriff's department, with the pistol section. I've, I've tried absolutely everything. No one will call me back. And now forget it now since this outbreak yeah. happened. Yeah, I was going to say, so like, let's, let's sure. just stop like right there. Like forget COVID-19. Like that is going to, I don't know what that's going to do. Like let's just not even go there. Yeah. You were already, yeah. if, they, if COVID-19... There's plenty of theories in New York that it's just going to – they're just going to use this as an excuse to just stop it for a while. Yeah. Well, I, well look. Let's you just, can't get a gun now. Not even like a, a shotgun. Nothing. They stopped the Knicks checks. So you can't do you can't do anything. No, they're like, still oh, doing those. They're still doing those. Oh, they're they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so Andrew, there's a couple things. That, there's a couple things that I do want to talk about. So hold on, let me let me kind of like uh, get us back on on track here. Because first off, sure. if COVID nineteen had not happened, let's yeah. just say that, that this was normal times. I'd like to think. I'd like to think that you would have gotten it. Okay, let's I just would, assume I you got it. I'd like to think that, but I'm not yes. as confident <laughs> yeah. because I was nine months out out of the maximum right. six months, and I was able to actually get through one day to someone. And I said, "Hey, can you tell me what's going on? Was I was I denied? I, I don't understand. I have no criminal background, nothing. The only thing I could think of is I was like, you know, my application under my job occupation. I say MMA fighter. I'm a young kid. I'm covered in tattoos. Maybe they don't want me to have a gun." And, you know, that's fine. But I was like, I just want someone to tell me. And they were like, no, no, you, your thing says pending. You haven't been denied at all. Right. Like, okay. Can, she's like, hold on, I'll send you through the detective. And I left him a voicemail. Never heard back from him. <laughs> that, was, that was three or four months ago. And I've left seven, eight voicemails. So I, I don't know what more I can do. But, you know, this happened. And now everyone is suddenly uh, wants a gun. And everyone believes that they should have guns again. Um, but now it's slowing down for process for people like me who, who wanted one far before any of this had happened. So that makes me want to talk a little bit about gun laws because – so first off, <clears throat> the Constitution, the Second Amendment says that gun ownership 
is a right. It's not a privilege. It's not a driver's license. It's a yeah. it's a right, right, not a privilege. Okay, so that's first off. Now, with that said, I do think reasonable laws, and there are some people in the Second Amendment community that would hang me up right now, but I yeah. think that reasonable laws are fine. Do you feel like there's people who would say, oh, well, he had to wait nine months. Like that's that's more than reasonable. Do that's you feel that that's reasonable? Here's my issue. I, I have no problem if they told me, hey, you're not going to get it for two years as long as you keep a clean record. I just want to hear something. Just, just yeah. give me anything. I'm not like, I need a gun with <laughs> on my you way. Want the ex- you want the clear expectations set. You want to know what the rules are. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm not saying, hey, I applied for a gun, but I don't have it the next day. Because that, that's just, that's even worse. I think I don't want everyone having a gun within 24 sure. hours thinking about it. Sure. Now, I'm glad they're doing the research. But I mean, give me a call back when I call you four months ago, seven times. And well, and it should be the same for everybody, right? Yeah, if someone exactly. else got it in six months, why is yours nine months, right? Yeah, Unless there's had, some reason. I had people tell me, "Oh, yeah, really? I got it in four months." They call me back early. I was like, "Awesome! That, I mean, that's good for you." I'm I'm sitting on nine, ten months with I can't even get a call back. Just letting me know if I, you know, what if you want to deny me, fine. Let me know. I just want to know what's happening at this point. Right. I'll take any any news. So that brings me to my next question. In the meantime, because who knows when this is going to happen with all the stuff with the virus and stuff, but yeah. have you thought about uh, a rifle or, or a shotgun just in terms of uh, having something to kind of get proficient and comfortable shooting? And if so, if that's something that you're interested in, Keith and I might be able to guide you down the right path for that. Maybe you can. It's I've tried absolutely everything. I got to the point where I was like, you know what? Especially with times like this, I was scared people were going to start rioting or things like that. And like <laughs> I said, you know, I could do all the training I want. Someone comes into my breaks into my house and has a gun. What am I going to do? I give them everything yeah. I own. And that's, that's yeah, we'll talk after the, we'll talk after the show. But I mean, Keith, maybe we could come up with a couple ideas. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Just, just to and just to clarify a little bit because we, we we touched on it a little bit. I'm not sure what you had heard about the the next check. It it did get overloaded in the first yeah. you know the first week or so of the pandemic. But um, it's back up and running. I mean, I, I purchased a rifle very recently and okay. had no had no problems at all. Walked walked in, filled out my next check, left with my rifle. Awesome. Um, you know, so you, the hard part right now is inventory. You kind of touched on oh, that too. That's, that's what I was just going to say. I I think I decided that I was going to go for a rifle or a shotgun a little bit too late. Yeah. Um, I I went to Walmart, Dix, like all the because what happened was uh, they sold out of all the gun shops. The only thing they mm-hmm. had was like super expensive sport. <laughs> Uh, shotguns. They were like nine hundred dollars savage uh, shotguns, and I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that. I was looking for like a small little home wrecker, like two or three hundred dollars shotgun. Um, but they sold, they sold out, and then uh, they shut down all the gun shops. When they shut down shops, they said the guns weren't essential. Um, so all of them went out, and I was like, all right, let me check Walmart, Dicks, but they're all sold completely wiped out. I check all the time. There's nothing. So I was like, there's nothing I can really do. Yeah, we um, like like Mike said, we'll, we'll catch up with you after, and we'll we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit. But we both know a couple of people that maybe uh, still have some inventory. Awesome, yeah, yeah I appreciate it. So, Andrew, um, where can people find you online, social media, if they're looking to to become fans of the Gunshot? Where where can they go? Um, I'm not too big on social media other than Instagram. So, Instagram is probably your best bet. I actually offend a lot of people. People are always like, "Hey, man, I sent you a friend request on Facebook like two months ago." I'm like, "Yeah, well, I haven't been on you know, a year and a half, so." Um, but Instagram, uh, Instagram is probably the best way. And it's, uh, it's just my name. It's Andrew, A-N-D-R-E-W and my last name, Geisler, G-E-I-S-L-E-R. And there's a second R at the end. So it's Andrew Geisler with two R's. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, anybody looking to, uh, that is an MMA fan looking to see up and comers, go check them out.
Now, Andrew, we have a uh, little tradition on this show. Uh, we play a little game with new guests. It's called Run and Gun. Yeah. And since you're not fully immersed into the gun world yet, I, I took a little bit of uh, mercy on you, and I made a tailor-made version of this for you. All right. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so I'm going to ask you a question, and you just answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. All right, let's do it. All right. What will your first gun be? Oof. Um, probably a shotgun, to be honest, at this rate. <laughs> uh, but if, uh, if, if I can actually get my permit, probably maybe like a 1911. Wow, okay. going, going big. That's the first okay. thing I was looking at. Wrestling, jiu-jitsu, or Muay Thai? Uh, jiu-jitsu. If you could have a drink with one person, living or dead, who would it be? Conor McGregor. Rifle, pistol, or shock? Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Rifle. Favorite submission? I'm gonna say, not the arm bar. That's what I just lost. We'll say Kimura. Favorite hobby not MMA related? Playing the piano. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Teleport. Oh. All hell breaks loose. Use your head or your fists. Um. Well, do you mean your head is in using my brain and outsmart yes. people, or bash yes. my head on something? Andrew, I initially thought he meant as a weapon too. <laughs> yeah, I would like to save uh, the CTE guy and take enough damage in my career. <laughs> brains are brawn. Let's put it that way. We'll go, we'll go brains. All right. Is it better to be loved or feared? Loved. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your girlfriend? My coach. The scary that man. Coach would, that coach would be? Mike Palladino. I agree. He's a scary man. He's a scary man. <laughs> All right, man. You did an awesome job with Run and Gun and uh, the first MMA version of Run and Gun. So I congratulations. modification. Let's mix it up. So we are going to change gears here and we are going to pretend that someone out there, maybe it's Andrew, maybe it's someone else, buys their first gun, first one ever. Now what? What are the top three things you should buy after you buy the gun? So Andrew, you don't have one yet and I don't know if you've even done enough research, but is there anything that you think would be a good purchase after the gun? I'm actually looking into getting some things that I think I would need after the gun, before the gun, because of the shitty situation I've been kind of put in. Okay. Um, so I, I'm looking into getting a safe. Okay. That's a that's an awesome uh, an awesome purchase. I, I like that's, it. That's my first pick. Awesome. All right. Yeah. And oddly enough, that was my first pick. So, uh, yeah, I think that a safe or an <clears> – <throat> I had put a lockbox, especially if it's a pistol. You know, you want like yeah. something small. But – if you're going to have it, you got to secure it, right? I mean, that's the bottom line. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I live with uh, my, my brother and my, my parents and, you know, they might not be as knowledgeable in guns as me. So I don't need someone, you know, going through into my room and maybe messing around with something that they really shouldn't be. Or, you know, someone has a false confidence or they think they know what they're doing and they don't. And then it falls on my hands. So Awesome. I like the responsibility. You're, you'll be a good advocate for the Second Amendment. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so did you have others or is that kind of like just where your brain kind of shut off and there's a lot with guns. So maybe you kind of yeah, put a halt I, on it. To be honest, it's like I, I've, I've talked to you about this in the past. I'm actually worried. You know, the reason I got uh, interested in guns before this happened is my lack of knowledge made me fearful of them. So uh, just kind of just because I come from a jujitsu world, I think it's kind of a similar mindset is a big fear uh, people have is because they don't know about it. 
you know, uh, people come into jujitsu and they finally try it and they fall in love with it. So I think, uh, I was really fearful of guns because I knew nothing about them. So my logic was, well, if I learn about them, I won't be afraid of them anymore. All right. That's fair. So Keith, what's your second must have after you buy the gun? Well, you know me, I like to tinker a little bit and, uh, you know, I think, uh, as you pointed out, these are tools and, um, you know, a good cleaning kit, the same way that you would have, uh, some precision tools, uh, or, you know, um, you know, things to take care of your car or something like that. You need, you need to have those things for, for a weapon as well. Smart. Awesome. Yeah. For me, I mean, if you're going with a handgun and I think a lot of people say, Hey, I want a handgun and that's their first, um, purchase for a gun. <clears throat> you need to have a good, and I'm going to stress the word good, a good holster and a good specific gun belt. And mm-hmm. by the way, for years, I just used an old leather belt. And then one day I bought a gun belt and Man, what a difference. You don't understand until you yeah. have one. UMMM guys need a belt, but us big guys, we need the belt and suspenders. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I say good holster, something that basically is going to keep the trigger guard covered, something that is going to stay in place. So when you go to draw, it's in the same place every time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and ultimately, it's going to keep you safe and keep you able to draw quickly and proficiently and the belt kind of goes in hand with that yeah you keith know, my, what's number uh, three? Oh, sorry sorry Andy. no no go ahead let's see let's, we'll go through the list first all right so keith what's your number three uh safety glasses and ear protection awesome i love it any recommendations anything you've used i mean honestly i've used from the cheapest to the cheapest and you know i've slowly upgraded over the time the, the main goal here is that you need those things to be able to practice with it to be proficient proficient with it. And, you know, when you're usually training and you're usually practicing, you're in closed quarters and, you know, it can get loud. Um, there might be other people with you shooting larger calibers and, um, you know, you just want to protect your, you know, your hearing and your eyes during those, uh, through those times. And then, uh, you know, if, um, if you are ever in need of it, you'll be prepared. Yeah. And I have to say, I know guys are, ah, you know, I don't need, I'm, I'm only shooting at 22. I don't need ear protection. Listen, I have a little bit of tinnitus from just accidental, you know, people shooting when I didn't know they were going to shoot and it sucks when you can, yeah. when you can't sleep at night cause your ears are in, believe me, you'll wish you wore ear protection. So definitely Keith, awesome suggestion. Sounds like a similar problem in my life. People always tell me to wear ear protection, <laughs> a little different problem, but someday I lay down and I'm like, I should have worn headgear. You know, do you have any, do you have any cauliflower, Andrew? It's minimal. I've drained yeah. out most of it. I get it in my inner ear, not on the outside. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's it's something that you you wish you took care of when you start feeling it. Some people like it. They're like, oh, it's like a, a, a badge of honor. Like, shows you put your time in. I'm like, yeah, well, my girlfriend doesn't like it, so. <laughs> and that is the number one most important thing, right? You got to make sure your girlfriend's happy. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, all right. So my number three, um, we'll wrap it up. And I think this is a good overall is training. And Andrew, you know, you kind of, you sound like you're responsible, but you know, the person that gets the gun, they stick it in the nightstand and Keith, you said it best the other day. Ah, the first shot I'm going to take is the only one I'm going to need. And it's like, (laughs) it's ridiculous. Like go out, train, find someone good and learn how to run that gun properly. And and that confidence too, just to know that. If, if the situation to actually arise, you can put that gun in your drawer, but if you never shot it and, and your adrenaline's rushing and something's going south, it's just like jujitsu. You know, when you're in a bad spot, say you're rocked in a fight, you need that repetition. It's like you've been through that, that same scenario and you could do it in your sleep. You could do it half conscious, you know, when you're hit. 
But, you know, yep. when your adrenaline's rushing and things are going south, you haven't fired that gun. You haven't taken the repetitions that you need. You're not going to know what to do in the moment. Right. And 100%. so to tie this, all this episode together, I mean, that'd be like me going and buying boxing gloves and saying, ah, I'm just going to go in the ring and just fight. I'll just probably, you know, I mean, like, yeah. no. no training needed. Exactly. So, so Andrew, we kind of, we kind of went down like our, our lane here, but yeah. you know what? I figured we'd kind of make it interesting. And if someone wanted to get into MMA or even just some self-defense and learn how to kind of handle themselves a little bit, how would you recommend they get started with that? Um, so, you know, like I said, jujitsu is offered to all levels. I feel like a, a lot of people are afraid. Uh, I'm actually the manager of our gym. Um, and so people will call me if they're, if they're interested or, um, we actually have it set up so that anyone who fills out like an online form, it goes directly to my phone. You know, I deal with a, a lot of the people that are, are interested in the program. And I feel like a lot of people, they call me and I try to be overly friendly because a lot of people are intimidated when they call an MMA gym, you know, um, like they expect someone to pick up the phone and be like, what, you know, like they don't, they don't understand that it's, it's not like a, you go in there and you got a survival of the fittest, uh, your way into the gym. So a lot of people think like if they have no experience that they're going to just be completely out of the place. So, um, you know, our, our program starts as fundamental on-ramp program. So, you know, 90% of people that come to the gym have no experience and that's perfectly fine. There's, there's no problem with that. Um, that's why we have it designed the way we do to have a fundamental class and the intermediate and advanced. Um, so, you know, if it's something that you're interested in doing, you want to defend yourself, you want to get in shape, you want to meet people. Some people do it just for the social aspect. Um, you know, you can, you can come into the gym where we're located right in Beacon uh, and you get started with like learning just fundamental movements, you know, basic submissions and you, and you work your way up from there. Okay. And you would recommend jujitsu over striking to start um, or vice you know, versa? It, it also depends on your goals. Like say you're going in just for fitness. You just want to, you want to lose weight. Um, you know, you, some people sweat really hard doing the striking program because a lot of it's like cardio based. So, you know, that might be more for them. Someone who's worried about uh, maybe we have someone who's a CEO and they come in and they're like, Hey, like I want to defend myself. I'm not going to recommend striking to them because I don't want them. If they're in, in the jail cell, they can really uh, control a situation without doing any damage using jujitsu. I'm not going to teach them Muay Thai if all they want to do is defend themselves so they can just go out and fight people. It's great. It's great advice. And now you're right. I guess there's not like a one size fits all. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, personally, like I said, I, I started with jujitsu, so I know, I know its value. Um, I've used it as a competitive aspect, but I've seen people use it who there's people who are, uh, slightly autistic, have ADHD, people want to get in shape, want to meet people. I think jujitsu is universal. It's not bad for anyone. Awesome. So if our listeners are out there, um, and they read our, or heard our list, they're free to go to the gun experiment on Facebook and Instagram and tell us what they thought of our list of things they should buy after the gun. Or if they don't agree, tell us what their ideas are. We'd love to hear it. Well, I think it's time for the boys to sit around and shoot the shit. This is a segment where we talk about something other than guns. And sorry, Andrew, it's not going to be about jujitsu or striking <laughs> either. What do you got? So I have the perfect balance here. On one side of me, I have Keith, who is a huge car enthusiast. Okay. On the other side of me, I have Andrew, who is meh, not so into cars. Yeah. So t- today's topic is driving a manual transmission. Okay. So manual transmission in this day and age, somewhat defunct. You don't really need it. I mean, we have automatics. We have cars that can basically drive themselves. I've never so, driven an automatic, but I even took my road test on a manual car. Good for okay. you. Yeah. Wow. All right. So I guess the first thing I want to know is what do you guys think? Like, should everybody know how to drive a stick? I think so. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, they're not, they, they're called standard transmissions for a reason. They used to be standard. They're, they're no longer standard. But, um, I mean, in today's world, uh, you know, it is dying. It's not something that is common anymore. Um, you know, uh, they are not the fastest if you're, if you're talking about speed, if, you know, if we're going to stay on that level for a moment. Um, they're not the fastest in today's world. You can certainly have, you know, most fast supercars are, you know, dual clutch, you know, semi-automatic kind of, um, situations they're, they're manual, but the clutches are all automatic and you yeah. know, don't have to do anything. Um, but in my opinion, it, you know, running through gears is the purest form of driving, you know, oh, yeah. I, I'm a very fortunate person to have been able to drive, you know, amazing cars in my lifetime. I've driven things from, you know, classic muscle cars to, you know, supercars. And they are just, they're just a blast to drive in the manual form. I don't care if I'm faster or not. I just enjoy driving them more. I yeah. own, uh, you know, a manual, uh, a Mustang, uh, late model one. And, uh, I literally will get in that thing and just go run through the gears for maybe three or four or five miles. Mike, I know yeah. you hear me and, uh, come home and put it away and have a smile on my face for a couple of days. I actually yeah. had a, uh, 2016 six speed GT. Oh, mine's a 15. Um, yeah. So I, hey, there you go. We have a very similar car. Mike asked me if I like cars. And to be honest, I love cars. You know, I, I have a. So you lied to me. <laughs> no, but let me explain. I have a Civic uh, SI right now. It's six speed. All my cars, I'm, I, I like the sporty cars, the fast ones, but I'm not knowledgeable. So I didn't want to tell you yes. And then you asked me questions. And I was like a fool. So, man, you, you totally hoodwinked me. I thought I was going to get the guy that's well, like, ah, I don't give a shit about cars. And then the one who loves cars, you, you, you totally just ruined the show, Andrew. Thank you. Well, you know, like, <laughs> I, I remember like someone asked me, I had the reason I got rid of the Mustang was one, it was really bad on, on gas and I was uh, driving a lot, but also people would ask me, they saw a car like that pull up and they start asking me questions about it. And I just felt so dumb when people would ask me, I, I, I don't know, like how much horsepower I was like. Uh, front wheel drive. I don't know. <laughs> you know like, I, don't, I don't even know how to answer your question. So I was like, you know, I, I don't know much about them, but I do, I do like getting in a sports car and, and flooring it. Well, I'll give you, nice. I'll give you my spectrum. I, I have that 15 Mustang that I bought brand new and uh, I don't drive it very much these days. The first year and a half I had it, I drove it every day, but, um, and then my everyday driver is a 1995 Cadillac Fleetwood Brome. It's like riding on my couch. I love it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think I bring down the property values in Mike in my neighborhood, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> everybody knows I'm coming when I drive it. So my take on the manual transmission on the stick is this. So when I got my driver's license, my father, my father's like a very like cautious man. And he was like, ah, oh, why take on the extra responsibility of learning that part? Like, like learn how to just drive. And then down the road, you could, you could learn how to drive a stick. So I think if it was up to him. I would have never, ever learned, but yeah. I wanted a Jeep Wrangler and Anybody who's a Jeep guy knows you got to get one with a stick. You don't drive those things in automatics. I know some will disagree, but real Jeep guys get it. And I wanted it with a stick. And I basically taught myself. No one ever taught me how to drive one. I just got in it and figured it out myself, drove it home from the dealership, figured it out. But my take on the manual transmission is this. You seriously drove that thing home from the dealership not knowing how to drive a manual? I mean, I had like kind of, I had like taken friends' cars and stuff, so I kind of knew how. Oh, okay. I was going to say, that's amazing if you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had driven maybe a stick once or twice in my life other than that. Okay. Just like goofing around in friends' cars. Fair enough. Fair enough. So fairly new, you know. Very new. Yeah. But uh, I knew the concept of it, you know, and 
I can figure it out. But my thing is this, you know, like again, the gun experiment. Like I just feel like you should just know how to do a lot of things. You know, I I I, I admire the quote unquote Renaissance man, like the guy that can do a lot of different things. And I feel like that's just one of those things. Like someone says, Hey, could you do me a favor? Could you move my car? And like, do you want to be the guy that's like Oh, sorry. I don't know how to drive. I don't ever want to be that guy. I don't ever I, want to be that guy. I was at, I went to a wedding before this whole, uh, wedding, non-wedding deal was around. And, uh, I drove up my Mustang was with my wife and I had the windows open. And as I pulled up, I heard the valet go, Oh, I don't know how to drive a stick. And I got, I was like, don't worry. I'm parking it myself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's not the guy you want to pass the keys to. No, <laughs> definitely not. So I know that this episode was a little different than some of our other ones, uh, you know, would be. And uh, there was a lot of talk about fighting and MMA, but it's called the gun experiment for a reason. And I think, uh, you know, if you're going to carry a gun, I think having these other sort of fallbacks are very, very handy. And uh, Andrew, I want to thank you for sort of bringing your expertise and for also being very open-minded about shooting and gun ownership and and you're a great guest and and thank you for coming on yeah i appreciate it great to Um, meet you andrew yeah you too keith uh if you're listening out there make sure you check them out on instagram and uh if you like this episode you can support the show by hitting the subscribe and share buttons and of course don't forget to follow us on instagram and facebook at the gun experiment so we can keep the conversation going keith andrew thank you thank you so much thanks Mike. of course